Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Hello and welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. Glad you can join us for another edition of HTW, the show with your hot takes and our even hotter opinions. Uh, thank you very much for listening as ever. And this is the first on Hot Takes Wednesday in this era of the show, at least certainly since I've been host anyway. We have not one, but two guests on this week's edition of the show. And you, you've probably seen them on Instagram, maybe on TikTok as well. Um, they were the fun fact, they were the first pair we ever signed as a part of WTF1 talent. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of history for uh, for the expansion of us. Very, very um, glad to say hi to Desiree in Virginia. You probably know them a little bit better as the Pit Lane twins. Hello, ladies. How's it going? Hello, hello. Hello. Like, yeah, also- so we are we are still a bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't blame you. It's like I know being on this show is a massive honor. <laughs> I'm joking, but of course. Also, good luck to the listeners at home being able to pick Desiree and Virginia's voices apart on this one because that's going to be very difficult. It's I know it's hard enough trying to pick them apart visually, <laughs> but uh, audio-wise, <laughs> we might be in some trouble. I will try to be a little bit uh, dictator as to who's speaking when, but uh, yeah, pleasure to have uh, the, the, the Pit Lane Twins of us on this edition of the show. So for those who are new, as, as I always say, every podcast is someone's first. Welcome to HTW. On this show, you, the fine WTF1 audience, send in your hot takes. You can do so on Twitter. Uh, well, or X, depending on what you want to call it these days, depending on what brand name Elon's got for it this week. Um, You can send them in on Monday morning whenever they put the picture up. We'll look out for the hot sauce bottle on that one. You can send them to me on Instagram as well. It's uh, instagram.com forward slash Dre WTF1 on there. Um, Or Drew F1, depending on how you read it. Again, I've had that plenty of times as well. And of course, you can email the show as well. Contact at WTF1.com. All the hot takes get forwarded to me and I go through them with a with a comb and then pick out the the best ones for the show as ever so once you guys send in your takes uh me and our lovely guests the pit lane twins on this occasion will be having a little bit of back and forth discussion about them and then eventually we will score them on a scale of one to five one being that we strongly disagree with them five being that we strongly agree i would have normally had six takes on this episode but we're only going to have five because there's three of us there'll be a bit more dialogue and a bit more discussion and uh ladies if you want to play on hard difficulty feel free and if you don't know what that means it means you're only allowed to use three once over the course of the show uh we don't like fence sitters on this show as we brits would say uh so no sitting on the fence be bold be brave <laughs> if you can and uh you'll have my infinite respect so uh desiree and virginia you ready for hot takes wednesday we are yes, ready let's do this okay take number one comes from Erico Callisto, and it comes obviously off the back of a very interesting qatar grand prix very much not your average grand prix at all His first take is, Qatar is a great track, just fix the curbs and race in cooler weather. So, what did you make of Qatar in general then, girls? Because uh, this was obviously 
uh, a very different sort of Grand Prix. We obviously had maximum tire stints put in. Obviously, the curbs were a bit of a concern with, with Pirelli and the tires. And of course, then we found that when we got to the race, it was very, very hot to the point where drivers were almost passing out. Uh, it was uh, very, very intense indeed. So what did you make of the track in general? And uh, do you think this track is a, a good one, even with, with all the issues thrown in? Yeah, I think the the layout is very cool. And we saw that gives interesting action. I don't know how it is to be there as a fan, you know, be a, be a fan there at Trackside, because it seemed that the, that they have limited grandstands, like only three grandstands or so. Mm. So, yeah, but I think... Um, the more racing we see there, the more race um, grandstands they get. I I guess it certainly helped because I, for those who don't know, um, maybe people don't only watch Formula One, for example. It's been MotoGP season opener for about fifteen twenty years now. So if you like your two wheel action, you'll recognize Qatar straight away. Um, mm-hmm. And they only ever had one main grandstand on the front straight, and it was only good for about eight thousand people. So it's the fact they got one hundred and twenty thousand in um, for. Yeah, for this whole weekend. I love they said, oh, it's a record attendance. The record wasn't very much um, <laughs> in the first place. The bar was quite low. Um, but uh, yeah, it was still an improvement. I mean, they they threw a lot of money improving that place from a facility standpoint and whatnot. But uh, Desiree, I'll come to you on this one. Like, do you think, do you think this is actually a good track? Uh, ignoring obviously the curb issues and um, the temperature because safe to say it was a bit warm. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, in general, I think Qatar has a great layout and it gave us also some great racing action both on both days, especially on Saturday. We all remember the sprint race. Mm. Um, and I think um, we can compare that a little bit to Monaco because there's definitely a big thumbs up for Qatar. Mm. No, I think that's I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. I, I, I actually agree. I think this is a solid track. I mean, on paper, you think it doesn't work because it's only got the one big DRS zone down the main straight and you think, well, okay, uh, all the passes are going to be down there. But I actually liked the fact that you could um, race around the outside to a degree. You could certainly go the long way around. There was enough grip on the outside of the track to potentially pass there. We saw George Russell go down the inside of turn six a lot as well. Um, so some of those slower hairpins, we actually saw some passing there as well, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, obviously, the issues that affected the weekend hopefully are just outliers. The, the pyramid curbs, I don't think, went down particularly well. And... Um, Hopefully next year it'll be in better conditions as well because December is going to be December next year as opposed to October and yeah forty degrees uh, uh, in in the middle of the in 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 the middle of October in in the day is far too much. I um, mean it was it was thirty plus even at night, which is just I, I don't I don't envy the fans that had to go to that because that is dangerously hot um and yeah we saw the horror stories um but i generally agree with what erico's take is here i think the track is actually pretty good um i i just agreed i think yes the curbs need to be addressed this is not going to be the solution to to the track limits issues and and if you're damaging the tires and that's obviously very very bad you can't have that and yeah, December, it should be easy. I mean, we, we raced here two years ago. It was in November. This wasn't a problem. Um, October, 
it's still the back end of summer in Qatar. Um, there's a reason why, if you're a football fan, for example, the, the Welsh World Cup was in the winter as opposed to July for that very reason. Um, so for me, um, I'm how am I going to score this? I, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say four. I agree with this for the most part. I think that it is a great track. I, I think if just the conditions around it was the problem more than the track itself, obviously. I think the track itself is fine. Desiree, how do you feel about it? How are you going to score that one? Mm, um, I think I think we should um, discuss the temperatures a little bit more. To be honest, yeah, by, by all <laughs> means, feel free. I, I'm here for the I'm here for the discussion. Feel free. Yeah, so, I talk mean, talk to me about it. Yeah, because I mean, um, the curbs. I mean, they found a solution with uh, adjusting it and also that they have to change uh, the tires more often than usual. But I mean, the temperatures, they, they couldn't um, change it. And that was really, yeah, that led to a horror, a horror story, I would say, because mm. there, there is a long list uh, with drivers that didn't feel well. Absolutely. I mean, how did you feel about it, Virginia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would also go with the rating of four, I think, um, because... I mean, I, Qatar is definitely a racetrack that was chosen because of the money. So this is, for me, the minus point, because like us European fans or also US fans that are growing, like, would you really go there to watch the race? And in my opinion, like, it would not be my first choice to visit this race because there's nothing around it. They don't have a motorsports history compared to Silverstone or Belgium. So this is the minus point for this track, I would say. That's a very good point. I mean, yeah, like we, the sport obviously wants to have races in the Middle East. It's grown a lot there in in terms of races they're putting on in that part of the world for a little time. Saudi Arabia, you know, in recent years, Qatar's now joined. Um, they definitely want more races in Asia. They they tried Vietnam. That that, that never actually materialized due to COVID nineteen. China's back next year. You know, it, 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 you, you can see the pattern. They're, they're definitely this absolutely agree this is definitely a money round say it quietly but you know it, it absolutely is a money round um but yeah overall i agree with you on that one virginia desiree well, 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 how would you score it i mean again heat 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 notwithstanding <laughs> yeah i mean virginia said um the, the money thing and uh also considering as a racetrack if i as well should, would i go there I think no. So hmm. um, I think there are two perspectives. One perspective is all is always uh, the interesting racing action there, and but the second point is also would I as a fan go there? And I think I wouldn't go there. So maybe I would rate it as two. Oh, okay. Interesting. Stronger <laughs> perspective from Desiree. I love that you twins have got different opinions on the matter. I think that's actually very, very interesting. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think it's a great track. Would I go to it? Definitely not. It wouldn't definitely not be my first choice. Um, yeah. It has got big middle of the no, big, big, big middle of nowhere sort of energy. If I was the sort of person that was traveling to Grand Prix more frequently, um, you know, so I, I think that's absolutely a valid perspective on that one. So four, four and two on that first one. Second one, second take of the episode comes from Jonty's Corner, very famous on Twitter. Hello, Jonty. Good to see you. Uh, first time on the show. Jonty's opinion is, 
or Tahotic, I should say, is Qatar showed us that there's way too much focus on tyre saving in normal races. We need drivers to be able to push for 100% of the time, not just three laps before and after a stop. Interesting. So I'll read that one more time. Qatar showed us that there's way too much focus on tyre saving in normal races. We need drivers to be able to push 100% of the time, not just three laps before and after a stop. Interesting. Who wants to go first on that one? <laughs> yeah, I did it because I prepared that question. <laughs> oh, okay, Desiree, you go for it. And, and I hope the answer is good enough. Um, I mean, certainly there's some truth in it, um, but the conditions in Qatar, they were very unusual. Uh, mm -hmm. Otherwise, the FIA wouldn't have decided that there had to be three mandatory pit stops. Yeah. Um, and we all know that the tires are routinely checked after each session. And in my opinion, this also means that you could um, certainly determine how much more the drivers could, could use their tires on all tracks around the world. So you know what I mean? So I mm. think you could, you could do some statistics and uh, maybe come out with a conclusion or a solution that maybe Max Verstappen could have driven, I don't know, 100 kilometer faster <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's dumb but, but i know but i think you know what i mean i do um, yeah. so i think at some point um at, at some point they could but i mean uh, pit, pit stops are always a strategic thing and um i think you have to you, you should introduce or you have to would have to introduce mandatory pit stops um that, um, and so everyone has the same cards. You know what I mean? Because mm. I think no, no team would push the ties 100% and the other team only like 50%. And then what they want to have to do, have, should have to do more, one more pit stop. So, yep. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. This is, uh, Virginia, how do you feel about it? Yeah. As we are just talking about the money, about the Qatar racetrack in general, I would also bring the money topic into here because, I mean, in the end, tires is also a money thing. Like how many tires can they bring to the race? And we mm. all know that tires are expensive. So, and it's also probably an, an environmental thing you have to consider, like how, how many tires you want to want to use and f1 is also aiming to become carbon neutral so this is definitely a point to like the tire saving mm. so yeah I, i'm not sure about this i think we should also maybe ask the drivers what they think like how many from how many laps or for how many percent would they really be able to push because i think mm -hmm. it could be also very yeah, exhausting for them to drive 100% all the time. So, yeah. Not I'll sure. You, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you how I feel about it. Um, This was a very different race. As obviously we know, there, there was three mandatory stops over the course of the race. We could, no, no tire set could do more than 18 laps. It was a 57 lap race. So it basically made a free stop mandatory if you're good at math. Um. <laughs> I, I remember Oscar Piastri saying after the race that he basically did 57 qualifying laps. That's he felt like tire wear was not a factor because the maximum was 18 laps on a set. Obviously, without this, this was a safety rule. So, of course, they had to follow it. Um, but I don't think it made the race any better by having 
a mandatory free stop rule and drivers being able to push every single lap. Looking at it as a fan, sat down at home in front of my TV screen, I didn't think, well, this was way better than a normal Grand Prix by having this rule in place. I didn't think it was any more entertaining than a standard F1 race. I think there's this almost like placebo sort of effect from from certain fans where they feel like they feel better about what they're watching when drivers push and maybe seeing some of these drivers struggle health wise was they may have got a little bit of a kick out of that um seeing them actually struggle a little bit physically i don't agree with that perspective personally i think this was borderline dangerous um and i don't think the race itself was any more entertaining than normal just because drivers could push um i think it would have been a very different race if there wasn't this rule in place and there wasn't this pyramid curb at 12 at, at turns 12 and 13 i think it would have more likely been a one or a two stop race i think red bull for example are very very good at saving their tires and they probably would have just extended a stint or two to try and make it a one stop race because Pirelli, in my opinion, generally plays it quite safe when it comes to tire strategy. Most races are one-stoppers. Um, and I, I would like to see two to three stops in a race more often and more st- more strategy options. But I don't think some of the talk like going like having to use all three compounds in a race will necessarily make that better. That's that's how I look at it. I mean girls feel free to, to 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 comment on this did you think the race was any more entertaining because of the fact that the drivers could push every single lap did you feel a difference no i i think what makes what made it different really were the 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 pit stops because i mean diesel and i we were discussing it before before the race and thought like ferrari has now many opportunities to mess up the race <laughs> <laughs> strategy wise yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like um, when there's something going wrong uh, at the pit stop, etc. So I liked it to be honest to see more pit, pit stop. But but on the other hand, of course, it was a little bit confusing because you always had to calculate in your head mm. like when does the next pit stop take place, and it was it was weird at the same time too. Yeah, uh, Desiree, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I agree. To be honest. Um, I was wondering why why the gap between uh, P1 and P2 was so little in comparison to the other races, to be honest. Mm. I think personally that's because McLaren didn't have to save their tyres. And I think they've actually got a very quick car. We'll get to them in the next take because they're actually very heavy between that in our third take. We're getting, we're getting to that very shortly. But I think because... I think Red Bull are very good at looking after their tyres. That's what makes them so strong but there was no tire saving going on in the race because they had, they had to go 18 laps. So they could just push as hard as they can. And Red Bull actually admitted they struggle to get heat into their tires. They can't fully utilize the strength of their car because they were going hundred percent the entire time. Pretty much McLaren, I've got a very fast car, but when tire wear kicks in later on in stints, that's I think that I think that's when they struggle more. 
Qatar didn't have any of that. So it was just a game of raw speed. And McLaren are actually pretty close to Red Bull when it comes to just ultimate mm. pace. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why it turned out the way that it did. I think with Piastri, I think it was only about four or five seconds off the win in the end, which is about as close as it's been all year, besides mm. Singapore to see Red Bull actually get beaten, which was, was, was probably quite refreshing. Um, so. <laughs> So yeah, if you're if you're if you're a neutral, then of course you want to see it a bit closer. Of course you do. <laughs> um, but uh, for me, I'm going to score this take a two. I disagree personally. I don't think we need this whole idea of pushing relentlessly, pushing 100 percent the entire time. I don't think it necessarily makes for a better race. I think having strategy options available makes a race more entertaining. Because in this race. Everybody was coming in at the same time anyway. There was a couple of undercuts here and there, but you knew when people were going to stop. That takes some of the excitement away for me. So I'm going to say two. Um, Desiree, how are you going to score it? Do you, how do you feel about that take? Two as well. Two as well. Virginia, mm -hmm. how, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I totally follow your argumentation. So two points. Two. Okay. It's a twos all round. Love that. Um, we all agree on something, which is rare on this show, but uh, that's, a, that's, that's a good sign. A take number three comes from Somebody Believes on Twitter. Great username. Uh, Somebody Believes says, and this is a very straightforward one, McLaren will catch Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. McLaren to catch Ferrari in the Constructors Championship. That's that's the fight for third right now. I did the I did the maths on this earlier, so you didn't have to. There's 79 points separating Ferrari in third from McLaren in fifth right now. I think there's a good chance McLaren overtakes Aston Martin before the end of the season. Can they make up 79 points in five races? Because we've got five race weekends left. Two of them are sprints, so there's a few more points available. But we've got five race weekends left. Do you guys think McLaren can catch Ferrari? I think they they would have a chance. I mean, I have to go into into the points again and calculate like how many points or how to to which uh, positions they have to drive them to get so many points. But mm. in general, I feel that McLaren is very strong at the moment with both drivers and mm -hmm. Ferrari wasn't so consistent the um, the last races and didn't score so many podiums lately so and we all know that charles is also a very unlucky guy so it he could <laughs> he could dnf yeah. and yeah also strategy wise etc so mclaren seems more reliable for me at the moment how do you feel about it desiree yeah, I, I totally agree. I would also go with McLaren. Um, I think they made the less mistakes than Ferrari in the past. And yeah, you, you never know what happens with Ferrari um, <laughs> at the race weekend. So, um, I mean, there's, there's always a chance that something goes wrong there. So, um, and McLaren seems to be, like Virginia said, very consistent with both drivers. So, yeah, maybe we will see. Uh, interesting final in Abu Dhabi. Mm. Who knows? So let's do the math here. 79 points between Ferrari and, and McLaren. Five race weekends left. It means McLaren would have to outscore Ferrari by, on average, about 16 points a weekend. Mm -hmm. I think McLaren... <laughs> me personally, I think McLaren's got the second best car in F1 right now. I think they've got a slightly stronger car than Ferrari do at the moment. <laughs> this is tough because 
I think Ferrari's genuinely gotten better as the year has gone on. I think, I mean, obviously, signs winning in Singapore was a big moment. Leclerc's been pretty consistent recently. Lots of fourths and fifth places. Um, signs, obviously, signs didn't even race in Qatar because of that fuel leak he had before the race even started, which is a bit unlucky. Um, I have less question marks about McLaren than I do than Ferrari at the moment. I think McLaren is very strong. I think Lando Norris is is good for a podium if he has a clean weekend he's got i think five of them now this season piastri's getting stronger by the week this was a he had a fantastic weekend you know winning the sprint and then second in the race career high finish for him i think mclaren are better than ferrari right now but i'm not sure they're gonna take enough points out of ferrari to catch them in time i think i think they'll certainly be closer by the end of the season my gut is telling me I think Ferrari will just hang on by the end of the season, maybe by like 20 points or less. Um, as I think if Ferrari performs to their usual, I think they'll be around fifth or sixth. I don't think McLaren will take enough points out of them to do it. I think they've actually driven quite well recently. Science is in good form. Leclerc has been very consistent. I mean, it, was, it was very quiet in Qatar. He just did his own thing, but he was like fifth. It was just a very quiet, but still good points. Mm. Um, and, and it also depends on Mercedes. For example, yes. uh, last race, uh, they, they made a little gift for McLaren. Go on. <laughs> a, a little gift. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton's race lost in one <laughs> corner. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a big gift. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you're absolutely right, Desiree. I think, Mercedes will play a role in this as well because they're I think generally that is a team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes and they're always in the mix for podiums and like top fives so where they factor in may also affect how many points McLaren or Ferrari ends up with so I don't I me personally I think Ferrari will just about hang on I I, I think they'll just get third place um, compared to Mercedes. Um, I think McLaren will end up fourth. I think they'll overtake Aston Martin, but I don't think they'll get to Ferrari in time. So with that in mind, I'm going to score it two on this one. I think Ferrari will... It'll certainly be closer. I think McLaren will certainly gain ground on Ferrari, but I don't think they'll actually overtake them by the end of the season. So I'm going to say two. Um... Virginia, how, how would you score it? What's your overall perspective? Yeah, I think I will pull the three here. Oh, so, okay. Because I think like when everything goes perfect at McLaren and at the same time nothing goes perfect at Ferrari, there is a chance. <laughs> so it's 50-50 for me at the moment. I, I, I think that's fair. I, look, normally I, I, I wind people up a little bit when they take three, but I think this is one of the few takes where I could genuinely see an argument for a free score because... I think it could be very close. Um, I think McLaren is definitely stronger right now, but I also think 80 points is a lot. It is a lot of points. You, Ferrari would have to have like a double DNF sort of weekend to really have a big swing in there like that. But I think it could be very close. Um, Desiree, how, how, how do you look at it? Yeah, I, I was just looking at the remaining hot takes. And if I have to put a three there, so... Um... <laughs> I respect, I, I, I respect the fact you're playing on hard. I love that. I, 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 have, I have deep respect for you for that. Yeah. So uh, do you want to use your free here or do you want or do you want to save it for the other two? Yeah, I, I will save it. So, and 
I, I think I would also say two. Okay, two mm -hmm. as well. So you think Ferrari will just about hang on to that third place? Yeah, very close. It, it could <laughs> be very close, definitely. could be. I mean, look, they could end up overtaking Mercedes for third because Ferrari's not far off Mercedes, like, for Mercedes for second either. It's a very fascinating fight. It could go all sorts of ways. Uh, nobody, I don't think anybody had the Mercedes hitting each other going into this past weekend on the on, um, to, for, for that to happen. So, yeah, uh, that's definitely a thing we're going to be doing next week as well. So keep keep your eyes peeled or ears peeled, I should say, for that for next week's show because that's going to be fascinating. I'd love to hear your perspectives on that. So, take number four comes from Nizels on Twitter. And Nizels has said, Red Bull will not be able to win the Constructors title in 2024 with Perez as one of their drivers. Hmm. Firstly, I think that Perez won't be their driver in 2024. Oh, wow. Um, I have the feeling they will kick him out and take Daniel. It's, it's funny you say that, Virginia, because that's what I've been saying on this show for the last couple of weeks. I actually wrote about it on the website as well, WTF1.com, after Japan where he had that horror weekend where he hit Hamilton first lap, then hit Magnussen later on, had to retire the car. Um, hmm. I'm, 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 you, you want to chip in, Desiree, feel free. Yeah. Um, I'm also not sure if Checo will, will um, get his seat for next year. Mm. Um, but I doubt Ricardo, to be honest. In one, in one hand, in terms of performance, and also whether he wants to do that again next to Max, because he left Red Bull because of Max. Yeah. So, it's so a, um, yeah. This is tough. There's, I think there's a lot of different ways you can look at this. Um, first of all, will Red Bull even keep him for next year? That's the first question you've got to ask. Um, we all know how ruthless Red Bull can be. They've had no problem getting rid of people, even mid-season, let alone end of season. Um, they've had no problem um being ruthless when it comes to making those sorts of decisions i think ricardo does want the red bull seat i think he's changed his perspective compared to last time i think he's he's made it very clear to people like christian horner i want the red bull seat again i think i can still do something in this sport otherwise he wouldn't have come back in the first place um i think he missed it i think he missed it not being on the grid and of course for him it's been unfortunate because he's been injured for the last five race weekends with that broken bone in his hand. Um, the overall take is interesting to me because Red Bull are so good right now. And Verstappen, if Max Verstappen would be leading the constructors on his own by a hundred <laughs> points. Um, <laughs> they don't need right, Perez. <laughs> like you could make a case. How important is Perez really? If Max is is performing at such a high level that it just doesn't matter um, mm. at the moment right now. Um, the question I have is, would a team be good enough next year? Would they be able to gain enough development ground on Red Bull where they can maybe keep taking advantage of Perez not being on the podium every weekend despite being in the best car? Mm. Um, because if Sergio Perez was finishing second or third most weekend, this wouldn't be a problem. Like everyone, everyone would just be like, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's, it's Red Bull's the best car. We, we yeah. know Perez isn't as good as Max. If he's finishing second or third, no one's complaining. Yeah. He's only yeah. finished on the podium six times this season out of 17 races. Um, it's just not good enough um, for, for, and we know Perez is better than that. And we know the car is better than that. 
could somebody get in between those two Red Bulls every week where they could maybe take advantage of that? So you can, you can do the math. You get 25 for a race win. If you get two of your cars second and third, that's 33 points. And you you beat Red Bull anyway. Um, I actually did I actually did some maths on this going into this podcast. McLaren's actually outscored Red Bull by twenty nine in the last three the last three race weekends, just because they've been so consistent. And mm-hmm. Perez has opened the door for them to take advantage of it. So if that could happen more frequently, then the takes right. Then maybe somebody could disrupt Red Bull for the constructors next year. But I think the other problem right now is the rest of the midfield is so close. They're all taking points off each other. Like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you girls have noticed this, but every weekend it's like either McLaren's really good. Sometimes Mercedes is on the podium. Sometimes Ferrari has gotten on the podium. Ferrari won a race. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> the, the, the Carlos Sainz was on the podium in Monza as well. So it's like every week there's a different contender for who ends up on the podium. Yeah. So the, they're all beating each other up right now, fighting for second, third, fourth, and fifth. <laughs> and it, it they are, they're all taking points off each other. And Red Bull's still been so good at the front of the field that they can just take advantage of all that fighting. So it's, it's a very... Oh, Siri's gone off on my phone there. <laughs> but uh, it's a very confusing fight where there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. But... Do you, girls, do you think someone could potentially chase Red Bull down next year if they have a strong enough car to maybe take advantage of Perez being there if he's still there? Yeah, I mean, if Perez really stays there and let's say he scores like fourth place or something or even lower, but then when we have like a very, very, a very good car that can compete to the Red Bull, then of course it would be a problem to the entire Red Bull team because then another team would have two good drivers. I mean, for example, when Mercedes brings a better car or McLaren brings a better car, then of course, Max Max as one person will fight against like two people <laughs> and, and two good cars. So then of course it gets a problem, but as it looks right now, I would say Max could win the t- championship, like the driver championship and the constructorship just on his own. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about it, Desiree? Yeah, I totally agree to Virginia. There's nothing nothing more to add, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at, at the moment, he's just so strong. And as you said mm. um, earlier, so, yeah. Okay, so, like, so, so do you, okay, one more, before we, before we score this take, I just want one sort of thing. Do you think Perez will still be there next year? No. Do you know for me? Mm, well, how about you, Desiree? I don't think so as well. But okay. the better question to me is who, who will be there instead? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question because, like, do you take Yuki Sonoda up? Do you give it to Daniel Ricciardo, who was good there before, before he left in the first place? Or do you even maybe throw Liam Lawson in at the deep end because Lawson has been so good filling in for them in the time that Ricardo was injured. It's a very tricky problem. It's, it's a good problem to have for Red Bull. You've got three very hungry drivers, all very different drivers, all competing for three very different seats. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating sort of situation. I, I think they'll keep Perez 
I, I, I don't think they want to pay all that money to release him um, mm. and then take a big gamble on some... I think it would be Ricardo who would be next in line if they replaced Perez at the end of the season. And I'm, But how good is Ricardo? We just don't know because he's he's only had two races since coming back. And um, it's he was he, we, he was great at Renault, but he was so bad at McLaren. It's like, well, what's the real Daniel Ricardo here? We just don't really know at this point. Mm-hmm. We know how good he can be. He's won eight races. He's an excellent driver on paper, but it's been such a long time since he was at Red Bull. I, I just don't know um, how good he is compared to Max now, five years later. So it's 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 fascinating. It's a fantastic uh, take overall. I would say right now, I'm going to score this take now. I'm going to say three. I don't I I don't I don't say free very often on this show but I think it could go either way. I'm not sure on this one. I'd have to wait and see how good the the competition gets and how good Perez will be next year if he keeps his job. You know, that, that we'll have to wait and see on that one, but I'm doing this with the assumption that he he stays for next year. Mm-hmm. I think that I it's not that it's not what I want to happen. But it's what I think will happen, if that makes sense. So I'm going to say three. Desiree, how do you, how are you scoring this? I would say two because I think Red Bull could win the championship with Max, and no matter who's the other driver, they can they can win it. That's it's a very fair point, Virginia. How, how about you? Yeah, same for me. For me, it's a one or a five. There's nothing in between. And <laughs> wow. I will go with one. One st- strong disagree from Virginia. So <laughs> we think Max is so good, he could probably win it on his own, which to be fair is right now, it's it's not an unfair opinion. I think that's uh, very valid at the moment, given how good yeah. he's been this year. It's um, a fact, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't disagree with you, Virginia. I can't disagree at all. Take number five, last one of the episode. It comes from Don Carrillo on Twitter. Uh, and Don Carrillo says, and this is, I've been looking for Oscar Piastri takes because he's very popular right now. A lot of people seem to be very keen on him. And a lot of people are making Lando comparisons, which is understandable given how close they are at the moment. I like this one different. I think, I think it's a different perspective. Alpine is happy with their current pairing and does not miss Piastri. Now this is a very, I, I like the way he's he's twisted this a little bit. I think it's very interesting. <laughs> Alpine is happy with their current pairing and does not miss Piastri. Now, of course, it's just over a year since that famous tweet that Oscar put out there saying <laughs> that uh, he was contracted to drive the Alpine without his consent, uh, without his knowledge. Um, and we all know how that story goes. He's gone to McLaren instead, and he's been very good this year. Um, probably a bit better than than what he would have done if he'd stuck with Alpine. Um, but how do you feel Piastri would be if he was driving in a blue car instead of an orange one? Because let, let's assume that they don't sign Gasly instead because they had to get Gasly in, instead of Piastri. They were going to promote him up when Alonso left. Um do you think Alpine misses him? Like, do you like? How do you feel about where Piastri would fit compared to, say, someone like Gasly and where Alpine is at the moment? It's a, it's a very intriguing take. I, I'm, 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 I'm very curious to see how you feel about it. Yeah, I think they are not missing Piastri. I think in general that F1 teams won't 
miss any drivers because they're so focused on what's going on in that moment, you know, with <laughs> their drivers. So, and I mean, everyone was discussing if Gasly and Ocon would get along. And for me, it seems like they're, they are happy with each other and there's not so much of a fight. I mean, what I see on, on social media, it looks it looks good for me. So I think they're happy with their pairing. Uh, what, what's your gut feeling on that, Desiree? I have this, the same feeling, although um, I found it difficult um, to rate it because um, I don't have this connection with Alpine. Um, they are somehow under the radar this this season mm. for me. Um, they, they are not often shown on, on German TV. Last <laughs> <Really>? year... <laughs> No, not 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 really. I mean, last year it was it happened more often because of Otmar Safnauer. Yeah. Um, and and this year it they they, they seem to disappear. Um, so <laughs> it's difficult to say. Um, but as as just as Virginia mentioned, I also looked at the social media and it all seemed quite happy. So um, I think yeah, they are they are content with their drivers. I think. I think you're right. I think the, the, Japan's probably the one exception because of the team orders that they had there. And we saw Gasly uh, give give his teammate the finger at the end of that race. I think he was telling him he wanted to finish in first, um, personally, at the end of that race. Um, but I think you're right. Like, I think a lot was said going into this season that famously Gasly and Ocon didn't get along particularly well. I think they've worked very hard to try and like squash that feeling and I think you're right. I think they do get along pretty well. Um, I don't think the driver lineup is the problem at Alpine. I think the the drivers are fine. I think the problem is their cars not been very good this year. Um, they are clearly, for the most part, a step below the other teams that are fighting for that second place right now. You've got Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren, and Aston Martin. They've all been fighting for podiums and the occasional win. Alpine's only had the one podium all year, and that was at Monaco. Um, the, the, and he, also in Sandforge. Oh, yes, quite right. I forgot Gasly was on the podium. Yes, well, 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 <laughs> well corrected. Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, I forgot. I forgot about Zandvoort. Yes, quite right. Gasly did finish third <laughs> that weekend. So, so two podiums. Uh, I'll give Alpine their full credit. Two podiums and the sprint podium, if you want to include, if you want to include Belgium as well. But they're clearly a step behind those other big teams that are challenging for podiums every race weekend. Um, but I don't think the drivers are the problem. I think the problem is their car's a bit unreliable. I don't think it's as fast as the other uh, midfield teams they're fighting against. Um, and I think they're down on power. I think they've said a lot in the news that uh, we, we're 30 or 40 horsepower down on the, on the rest of the field, um, which is a big problem on these big power tracks that we're, we're, we're getting towards now. So they're struggling in that regard. Um, would Piastri be so much better than Pierre Gasly in this car? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I I think he's still a rookie, Piastri. I think he's obviously come along very strong this year, but I think part of that is because McLaren has gotten a lot stronger as the year has gone on. I think the start of the year they struggled, um, but now they're probably the second best team in F1, third at further worst, as well as what I would say. Um, if Piastri was in an Alpine every race weekend, he'd probably still be fighting for minor points, like, eighth ninth tenth that sort of area i don't think he's so much better than pierre gasly that he that he, it would have been like this 
huge improvement that would have made Alpine a much more relevant team. So I actually... I think I'm going to say four on this one. I actually don't... It's not that Piastri's not really good, because he is really good. I just think Alpine's got bigger problems than their driver lineup. Um, So I'm going to say four. So I kind of agree. Not for the reason you might think, but I, but I think that... I don't think the driver quality is the issue with Alpine. I think there's other problems at that team besides that. Uh, Desiree, for the last time, uh, how are you going to score this take? First, I thought about the three. Um, mm. But now I think it's, it's the four because I totally agree with your argumentation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've convinced you. I love that. <laughs> I'm changing people's minds in here on this show. I love that. Uh, Virginia, how are you going to score it? Yeah, I, I would go with a five, I think, because as wow. I said, I, yeah, because I think they have, as you said, they have other problems. Um, and P- Piastri is at McLaren and, and it's a done thing. Like there's nothing to change about it. So why should they miss him? Fair enough. And yeah, I, I, look, Ocon and Gasly are very close. I mean, there's only about two points separating them in the Drivers' Championship right now as well. And I know Ocon is a very good driver. He was up there with Alonso when they were teammates at Alpine. So I know Ocon is a quality driver. If Gasly is matching him roughly on points, then I think Alpine's fine when it comes to drivers. I don't think Piastri is a massive improvement on either of those two guys in their seat. So for me, I'm going to say four as well. I, I think Piastri is good in his own right. I just think what Alpine's got is fine as well. You know, I don't think either of them, I think it was just a good deal for all parties. Sometimes that just happens in sport, you know? Um, But that'll just about do it for this episode of Hot Takes Wednesday. Um, Desiree, tell the good people out there where they can find you, find your content, where they can get a hold of you. Tell tell, tell the good people about yourselves and give give yourselves a little plug before we get out of here. Yeah, you can find all our content on Instagram, on pitlane underline twins and also on tiktok but this is more like a stepchild for us <laughs> so so instagram has the better content <laughs> <laughs> i love the honesty so like yeah we're also on tiktok but the instagram stuff's better just go on there instead like, don't, don't worry, the tiktok's like we've adopted it lately um it's kind of like how, it's, it's kind of how i feel about it as well to be fair so that's completely fair so yeah it's pitlane underscore twins on instagram do find them on there they are very fun they are very good content i know that you guys are doing more tiktok to kind of like i think it's more like real life stuff and more like like travel guides and things like that like how to handle the race weekend that sort of thing is that fair to say yeah recently we started to grow our tiktok and talk more about our race attendances because we're, we are frequent race travelers so uh, we wanted to share all those tips to other f1 fans so this is basically what our tiktok content at the moment is about Yep. So if you want some some fan perspective on fans for fans about you know, attending races and tips and tricks there, um, you check out the TikTok if you want the Instagram for more of the humorous stuff, shall we say? Because uh, I must say I am very jealous of their merchandise collection. It's 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 it's, it's extensive. <laughs> I've been a fan of their content for a while. They have a, they have merch for everybody. Um, I'm I'm actually jealous of that to a degree. It's very very impressive. But they are very funny people. Very entertaining. Great content. Man. 
filmmakers. Um, and uh, yeah, do check them out if you haven't already. But we'll be back next week on Hot Takes Wednesday as we lead up towards the God, the triple header coming up next with, with, with the Circuit of the Americas coming up next for the United States Grand Prix. One of my favorites, though, so I'm looking forward to that. Send in your takes, as always, for next week's show. And until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Desiree in Virginia, the Pit Lane Twins. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys soon. Take care. Bye.